Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God which engages us is the Old Testament lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Dear friends in Christ, a new beginning can be a wonderful thing in life. For example, if you're a student and you're not happy with your grades this semester, you can look forward to a new beginning in January when a new semester starts and your grades right now are but a thing of the past. Or a new job can be a wonderful new beginning with the excitement and the change it brings to your life, especially if your current job is rather boring and rather dull. A new beginning can be a wonderful thing in life. Well, in our Old Testament lesson for today, God's people were in need of a new beginning in their relationship with him. They and their leaders had acted shamefully toward God, worshiping all the false gods of the Canaanites and the leaders of God's people even establishing locations where God's people could go to practice their idolatry. And when God's people felt that they were in danger or they were vulnerable, instead of turning to God, their leaders oftentimes made political deals with other leaders and other nations. With few exceptions, it seems as though the leaders of God's people were leading them away from God, not toward God. And with few exceptions, the people seemed to be happily following along. Jeremiah had already prophesied concerning the judgment that God would bring upon this kind of behavior. He would do away with their kings. He would do away with the place where those kings reigned in power, namely Jerusalem. He would even do away with the place where he would meet with them, the temple, and God's people would eventually find themselves under the rule of a foreign country, a very foreign country, Babylon. All seemed to have been lost for God's people in their relationship with him. But God is the God of new beginnings, new beginnings that flow from his grace and his mercy. As Jeremiah prophesies in our Old Testament lesson for today, God will keep his promise to his people, a promise of salvation, a promise again to lead his people, a promise that they again would be his people. The days are coming, says Jeremiah, when God will do exactly that. He will send the righteous branch for David, a righteous descendant of David, who will rule with justice and righteousness. This ruler will turn God's people toward him, not away from him, and God's people will no longer practice injustice toward one another, for this ruler will install justice in the land. And God's people will no longer be vulnerable and in danger, for Jeremiah predicts that Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell secure. And God's people 
will no longer be known for their own unrighteousness, but rather for the righteousness of this leader. For this is how it, Jeremiah says, meaning Judah and Jerusalem, will be known. The Lord is our righteousness. And of course, God kept every single one of his promises to his people. He brought his people back from their captivity in Babylon. Eventually, the temple was rebuilt. Eventually, Jerusalem was rebuilt. And indeed, Judah did, was saved, and Jerusalem did dwell securely. And God's people were known by the righteousness of their leader. The Lord is our righteousness. What a wonderful new beginning God made possible for his people. But this Old Testament prophecy from Jeremiah has its ultimate fulfillment in the righteous branch, Jesus Christ, the righteous descendant of David, at least humanly speaking, who is righteous and innocent and blameless to his very core, in his very essence, in his very being. And he is the one whose actions are righteous as well. Tempted in every way as we are, says St. Paul, but without sin. Unfortunately, we are just the opposite. Conceived and born in sin and unrighteousness to our very core, our very essence, our very being. Tempted in every way as he was, yet with sin with daily sin of thought, word, and deed. How ironic that from our very beginning, from our very conception and birth, we are in need of a new beginning from God. And in our gospel lesson for today, Jesus rides triumphantly into Jerusalem to make that new beginning possible for all of us. Just five days later, from the events of our gospel lesson for today, Jesus will hang on a cross with all sin, all unrighteousness, and all evil placed upon his shoulders. As Paul would later write, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. And there on the cross... God would vent all of his wrath and all of his anger at the sin and the unrighteousness of the world. And there Jesus would bear it all for us to make that new beginning possible for us. And there, across the chancel, we have the water of new beginnings, the baptismal font where God makes us new taking away our robe of unrighteousness and giving us a new robe comprised of Christ's righteousness. In our baptism, God not only gives us a new beginning, he gives us a new name, the same name that is in our Old Testament lesson for today. The Lord is our righteousness. 
That is our new identity. That is how we stand before God this very day. Not clothed in our unrighteousness, for the great exchange has already taken place. Christ has taken our unrighteousness upon himself and has given us his righteousness. What a wonderful new beginning God has made possible and God has given us through the water and word of holy baptism. And what an appropriate day to talk about the new beginnings that God gives to us. For this day is a new beginning. This day is the first day of the new church year calendar, the first Sunday in Advent. What an appropriate time to celebrate and give thanks that we have a God who is always making new beginnings for his people. Whether it was the new beginning that he made for Noah and his family following the flood, whether it was the new beginning that he made for his people as Moses led them out of their captivity in Egypt, whether it was the new beginning he made for his people as Joshua led them in to occupy the promised land, whether it was the new beginning that he made for his people when he brought them back from their captivity in Babylon, whether it was the new beginning that we will celebrate in about four weeks, the incarnation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or whether it was the new beginning that our gospel lesson for today signals, culminating in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or whether it is the new beginning he has made in all of our lives, we have a God of new beginnings. As you may be aware, the last couple weeks here at St. Paul's, we have had a lot of people mourning the loss of loved ones. In fact, from last Saturday to this past Tuesday, we had four funerals in four days here. And that doesn't even count the people whose relatives living in other parts of the country passed away. A lot of people grieving, a lot of people mourning. But at the death of someone who has lived and died in Christ, what a privilege it is to proclaim and what a comfort it is to receive the new beginning, the good news of the new beginning that God has now made for that Christian who has died in the faith. That new beginning is in effect a transfer of that person from the earthly church militant to the heavenly church triumphant. And that transfer will be our new beginning one day as well. Listen to how John describes that new beginning in Revelation chapter 21. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Today, we give thanks and praise to God for the new beginning that he has given to all of us, for the new name that he has given to all of us. The Lord is our righteousness, and for the new beginning yet to come for all of us. Amen.
And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.